Yes, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the August live Q&A. We do these once a month here at Rugby Muscle on the YouTube channel. And yes, we're still on the Facebook group because I haven't managed to get this bloody Discord going up. There's a few rules and automations that have just been not working for us. And I want to make sure it's perfect before I release it out because I know that once we do... Uh, it's going to have a big impact and it's going to be something that we will will really focus on uh, going forward for how we do things here at Rugby Muscle. Well, for how we communicate, one of it, it's going to be a, a big avenue of communication for us. And so I really wanted to make sure that it is right before we throw it out. Otherwise, people will get on there and basically do what they did with threads, right? <laughs> they logged in and created an account did all that stuff, and then realized that it just wasn't working. So we want to make sure that that is avoided with the Rugby Muscle Discord server. So we're still going once again on the Facebook group. And with that being said, we will kick off. So as usual, we have some preloaded questions. And as usual, if you have any questions, you are welcome to ask them in the comments, either on the YouTube or on the Facebook, once again, not on the Discord. If you have another question that could potentially be answered in a future Q&A or a future video, as always, please pop it in the comments below. I really enjoy answering these questions. It's how Rugby Muscle works because Rugby Muscle was built and designed around you guys, you rugby players who want to get the most out of yourself or just want to get a decent program together so that you can see progression in the gym with your rugby specific fitness but also just with your health and fitness and you know being jacked and tan because those are all good things so with that in mind like i say if you have any questions ask them in the comments below look forward to answering them we've got some some preloaded already from the youtube and from the uh instagram so i will head on over to answer those questions first whilst we were getting there before i do i would like to announce that right now live at rugby-muscle.com not only can you get coaching can you get access to the best damn amateur rugby year-round strength and conditioning program via rugby-muscle.com that is team rugby muscle the best amateur strength and conditioning a best rugby strength and conditioning period that is delivered directly to your phone on a weekly basis that is team rugby muscle at rugby-muscle.com and not only do we have that but we also have a dedicated brand new conditioning program the game ready fitness fast track that is designed to get you guys ready for the upcoming season no longer should you be uh, questioning whether what you're doing is working no longer should you be tired of being tired no longer should you feel unprepared when you step out for that first game of the season you should be the fittest and best player on the pitch. And part of that is by taking care of your conditioning using an actual conditioning-focused program. We're not talking about tacking on five to ten minutes of weights at the end of a session. We're not talking about running a couple sprints or doing a Tabata or doing some sort of heavy, intense CrossFit workout. We are talking about specific energy system training to get you better at rugby. You will find that. You will find a four- or an eight-week program, both of which are purchased at rugby-muscle.com and if you just choose uh, work with us or programs i can't remember what the adoption is 
I'll actually change the link. So it's rugby-muscle.com forward slash fitness. If you're watching this in the future, it will be linked in there. You can also get for this week only. So if you're watching this before the first week of August, enter the code FIT and you will get 10% off. And that's only for those that have an upcoming season in the next four to eight weeks and they have to get in shape. This is designed for you. You're not throwing at the deep end. You're not going to suffer week after week after week. You're just going to do specific energy system training, some of which is definitely intense. Make no mistake about it. If you want to get fit, you've got to work hard. But this training is specifically designed to get you moving around that field building out that rugby engine that is the game ready fitness fast track you'll find that rugby-muscle.com forward slash fitness or i will link it actually i'll put it a link in the comments once i've done that we will get into the first question after the fact and listen to this podcast thumbs up always does help out that's how you can show some love if you are new here hit subscribe so that you don't miss any of the new and upcoming episodes so you don't miss anything from us and of course, questions in the comments below. And if you haven't, if you if you don't even have a question, just let just say hi in the comments below or give us a thumbs up because that just really that helps this this video feed, this podcast get into everyone else's feed. And so it allows us to have a bigger community, has other people to join us, gives you good karma and costs you absolutely nothing. How about that? All right. First question, could you recommend a progression scheme for strength training, something for orientation during training? Oh, so I'm, I'm assuming you mean like how you would, just something so you can wrap your head around, not just add more weight each week. Yeah, as far as schemes go, I have a few that I enjoy. Um, it does vary on the program. It also varies on the amount of other stuff that you're doing, right? For example, if you've got, 10, 15 minutes twice a week to get in your strength work, the progression scheme that you're going to use is going to be vastly different to a session or to a progression scheme where you've got four 40-minute sessions that you can dedicate all of that to strength because it's going to be different for those different situations. Likewise, all the other stuff that's going in is going to be different, which means that your progression scheme is going to be different for that. But for the most part, when we're talking about general rugby strength and conditioning programming, that you to me, that means that what we're going to do is, you know, we're going to use some power. We're going to work some hypertrophy slash higher rep stuff. That means we're probably going to be doing some speed work, some conditioning work at other times in our training. And so that means that we're not going to just go balls out for the strength stuff. And so what I uh, propose is something fairly fairly simple and in fact that's probably the best for, for this q a anyways right so for early beginners so like if you're in your first couple years of strength training or if you can feel like you can do this and still continually progress for like six to eight weeks this is the scheme i would use i would pick a rep range whether that's three to five reps whether that's two to four reps maybe even four to six reps and i would perform between two and four sets at that rep range and you'd keep the same weight, right? So you pick a weight. It doesn't really matter because after you keep continually to work at this, like the weight will solve itself. And like say week one, you, oh, well, no, you, you, you've got your rep range now. And all you're going to do 
is keep working until you can reach the top end of that rep range for all of your sets, whether that's two sets or four sets. The sets would would depend on you know, all the other stuff that you've got going on. If you can dedicate four sets, then that's great. If you're going to do two sets, still also fine because you can still make progress in the scheme that I'm given. So once you've hit the top end of that rep range for all of the sets in that session, the next session, you can add 2.5 kilos to the bar or to the lift, maybe even five kilos, the next, whichever the next convenient increment is for you. Some people like to do 2.5 on the upper body and one and five kilos on the lower body. That's fine. It would depend how much you sort of, how easy those lifts are and how well you feel you are progressing. But basic premise is you keep working within that given rep range. So you're getting continually getting quality work within that rep range. And then once you've um, reached the top end of that rep range for all of the sets, you're strong enough, right? So you add more weight and then, if you can, if you do it, so say for example, we're doing bench press, right? You get 80 kilos for week one on the bench press and you hit and your your given rep range is four to six reps. Week one, maybe you get six sets, uh, six reps on the first one, five reps on the second set and four reps on the third set. Or maybe week two, you get six, six, five. And then week three, you get six, six, six. Okay, now it's time to add weight. Fairly simple. And within three sessions, you're adding more weight to that. And you've also got three sessions of really good, solid, heavy work under your belt. It's a really simple way of doing it. It's also a good way of auto-regulating because days that you're fatigued, you're not expected to to beat that rep range. You're just expected to to get in that heavy work. It's fairly simple. It's it's kind of easy to follow, but it's it can grind you down if you're someone that is already moving a lot of heavy work or moving a lot of heavy weight is already fairly strong. Finding long-term progression is going to be difficult with that because you might just be stuck at the same, you know, 6.54 or 6.55. And so you might be stuck at the same weight for weeks on end, particularly if you can only... This, this regime works really well if you can hit a movement twice a week. Now... If you're if you're a little bit more intermediate, a little bit more advanced, what I would do is just add weight each week, and I would lower my reps each week. And so I'd work in three to six week blocks. This is this is a lot of what I do with Team Rubber Muscle, my own athletes, and we will go from maybe we're going to go from five reps to three reps to sets of to singles the the third week, and then we'll repeat that, or we'll go four reps, three reps, two reps, or we'll go. That's that's usually how we do it. It's it's five three one four three two. I don't mind five four three or even three three two. And what you do is you just add weight each week. So maybe you start at like a predicted one rep max. You start at like seventy percent for week one, eighty percent for week two, ninety percent for week three, and then then you restart again. But you go at seventy five, eighty five, ninety five. That really simple way of getting in some you know of progressing but also not burning yourself out the problem with using percentages is that after a while like once you get really strong some days 70 percent is going to feel really heavy some days 80 percent is going to feel really heavy if you're overly fatigued and you're just not going to be able to do that and that's why i like uh, some you know i like to go easy on those progressions because it's just it gives you a lot more room to to just move the weight more efficiently and faster when you're strong, but also 
or when you're feeling strong, but also if you are feeling tired, you can still hit that minimum and get enough weight under your belt. Now, if you are getting more and more advanced, you get more and more in tune with, you know, what RPE is and how many reps you might still have in a tank and how hard you're actually working, because a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people think that they're working really hard when actually if you not even held a gun to the head, said, all right, do one more, they can actually knock out a rep. I remember when I was coaching um, groups of, uh, it was groups of mums, but this has happened to groups of guys that I've coached as well. I said, all right, pretty let's choose a weight that you think you can do for five and then you can't do any more. And then they would do that weight and then we'd do another set with that same weight. And I'd say, okay, keep going until you literally fall with the bar or until, you know, I literally have to pull you up. And they got like 10 to 15 reps instead of five. So it shows how much more harder you can actually train when you're in those early stages. Once you become more advanced, then we're looking at RPEs and we would do, again, five, three, one, four, three, two. I would do that rep scheme so that you're still adding weight but now instead of just saying using specific percentages we're just sticking at rpe eight to nine whatever you choose for that measure cycle maybe it's 8.5 depends on what else you've got going on maybe it's nine maybe it's even an actual top set like absolutely all out with a little bit left in the tank as far as not completely being a one rep max or an absolute max you know rep max set but it is heavy as you can do that day. And you would just go from, again, five reps to three reps to one rep or five, three, two or four, three, two. There's different ways that you could do it. But just the idea is that you're lifting more weight as the weeks go on and then you recycle and then you lift uh, and the reps have to come down to accommodate those that higher weight. Sorry to sort of expand this question out and make it seem like a really long winded vert like these are all the different ways that you can do it rather than just a scheme, but there's just not, there's not the right tool is for the right job. All these rep schemes are tools. I like them that these all work, but there are other ones that you can do. All right. We've got a question on the live one. Hey, James, thanks for joining us. Thanks for asking the question. Hey, would you recommend an eating at estimated maintenance calories as the season begins or a slight surplus for best performance? I would recommend eating at an estimated maintenance. Actually, I, I, I would recommend, it, it depends on your goals. A slight surplus is good if you've only got estimations because you, you could have an estimate, if you get you could have an estimated maintenance that actually, because it's not a very good estimate, you're under eating, that's not good. The other thing that you can do is, is if you're worried is just make sure that you, eating a slight surplus on the Friday, uh, maybe even the Thursday, and then you're going to be topped up and you'll be fine. As long as you're not, even if you're in a deficit, eating a, a, a slight surplus on the Friday is basically going to cover all of your bases. And, and we've had lots of people come through that have lost weight week to week to week to week to week in season because of that. And I think a lot of the time, this is this is something that I've found in my years of rubbing muscle has, has rung so true is that so many people think that they need, and I fell for this mistake myself. So many people think that they are under, you know, they're under fueled as far as nutrition goes when it comes to the game day. That's why they're getting gassed. Like they don't feel like they haven't eaten enough before their game. That's why they're getting gassed towards the end of their game. When in actual fact, it's they're under fueled, yes, by their aerobic system. Their aerobic system isn't good enough 
to continually fuel you throughout an 18-minute game. And maybe even for after like the first 20 minutes, all of a sudden, you, if you hit that wall, that's not food, my man. That is because you your aerobic system is not good enough at flushing out the fatigue blood, getting in that energy into your muscles and into your body to keep going. And that's that's aerobic. Like that's that's something that really rings true to me because I remember being a younger player. I remember when I um, used to eat so much on the Friday and the Saturday. I remember going out for like, there, there was a phase of a few months where every single game I went to, I would puke some some either right at the beginning of the warm up or right towards the end of the warm up or both and i always assumed this is because of number one nerves and just how it was but the reality is what i was doing was i was cramming in so much food because i thought that was what was going to make me fit it was only once i only once i got fit enough and had a really strong robust aerobic system that i realized that it doesn't really matter what you eat before a game like it it can make a little bit of a difference but it's not make or break. I played with really good rugby players that some had even been experimenting with keto on a rugby game. That, like, some people think it's a really good idea. It's not. It's a terrible idea. But that just goes to show the the small percentage effects that actually game day nutrition really does have. Now, me, that sells nutrition services as a part of rugby muscle, probably shouldn't be saying that, but, but it's the truth, Right. I would take someone who's underfueled but really, really, really fit every single day of the week versus someone that just doesn't have the aerobic system to cope for a game but has eaten 5,000 calories the day of and the day before because it doesn't matter how much fuel you've got in your system. If you don't have the transportation system, the energy system, the aerobic system to fuel and utilize all of that fuel to fuel to to feed that fuel into your into your body to give you the energy it doesn't matter how much uh, fuel you've got right as far as carbohydrate goes or even as fat goes so that's the answer make sure you're eating enough but i wouldn't stress about it i would just stress about making sure that you are you know your conditioning system your aerobic system and your high intensity a lactic system is solid enough to get you through the game Maybe if you're estimating your calories, eat at a slight maintenance. If you know your calories, you should know that like whatever your weight is hovering at the same, if you can keep your weight hovering at the same weight each week, you're probably going to be, you're, you're fueling just fine enough for a game of rugby. Just don't be underhydrated and just be fit. All right, we'll go to the next live question actually, because James, the, the next question after this is also yours, which is uh, preloaded. But before that, we'll go to Luca, who says, do you prefer chin or pull-ups or lat pull-down as a vertical pull exercise? Different tools for different jobs or the you know the right tool for the right job. If you're someone that struggles to do pull-ups, then there is no magic in doing pull-ups. I do like it as an exercise because I like moving your body through space. But if you, can't, if you can't do it, then you can't do it. Likewise, a lot of tall players, tall rugby players that I've worked with can't get a full stretch on a on a lap pull down, you know the 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 weight's already hitting a stack by the time that your elbows are about 160 degrees, and so you can't get a full stretch. So you don't really get a good movement with that either. It doesn't really matter. It depends on what you're trying to do. If you are going heavy, probably put pull ups are going to be better when you're going heavy because you're it's harder to do moment to use momentum, 
and you can really get a good contraction with those. I like heavy pull-ups as a strength movement if you're looking at that rep range that I was talking about earlier when I was speaking to the answer in the first question when we were talking about going specifically for strength in the, you know, the three to or the two to five rep range. I like pull-ups. I like using weighted pull-ups. I like that stuff quite a lot as long as you don't have elbow issues. That works really well. If you're going above five reps, I, I start to edge towards uh, lat pull-downs because your your form has to be a little bit more strict and consistent and you can uh, really get a good squeeze on using those. But it doesn't overly matter. Those two are fairly interchangeable. Next question from the preloaded questions. James, you asked, sorry for the random question. What do you think about the new tackle laws implemented by the RFU for community rugby in the UK? Tackle below the sternum, no dipping, and no dipping significantly into the tackle as the attacker. Feel like it changes the game tremendously. And some will find it hard to adapt. So, got a few things to... I might actually have to make a whole video about this. But off the top of my head, as far as this goes, I think there are a few things I want to address. Firstly, it's not just the RFU. The RFU are just getting out ahead of this because I've heard that this is this is world rugby coming through and this is what they want to do. That's first. Secondly, the community rugby, quote unquote, I hate that. I don't know what the fuck that means, right? Because you ask anyone that's playing rugby, even I mean, even at like level eight or nine in the UK, that's not that low. That's a that's a good commitment you're you're making to play that. You're taking it seriously. To be called and to sort of be pawned off as a community athlete is a bit of a spit in the face to rugby players. I don't like that at all. Like like you should have the same respect that other rugby players have, like that any rugby players have. You should be playing the same game that you see on a TV. There's no there's no reason that you shouldn't. And if anything, right, it doesn't make sense that a game that is like a, the sport at the level whereby the bodies and the professionalism and the the athletes that you're that are competing at this level are so high that they are like increasing their risk for concussion just because these athletes are so huge and their collisions are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and their their schedule is like preposterous like you talk about player welfare looking out for these people those are the guys at the top level are the ones that need this this law is like going to actually help out when you look at rugby the lower down you get the less real risk there is because there just isn't those high impact collisions so I don't understand why that rule was made for like specifically for that. I think it was terribly done. I also think that the no dipping significantly into the tackle is just stupid as well. And actually with that all being said, the actual rule itself, I think isn't going to make a big difference. I don't think it's going to make a big difference to the game that you see because I don't think the referees understand how to handle it. I don't think the players are going to, change the way they play significantly enough that the game really looks like that different. And I don't think they're gonna, there's going to be red cards because of that. I just think that we'll basically, like, you know, when the when the seatbelt tackle first came in and started to become a penalty and sometimes even a yellow card, that was like a standard like classic tackle. Same with, like, a lot of dump tackles. And now that they're ruled out, like, 
they rarely happen. And I think that's just what's going to happen to slightly higher tackles. I just don't, I don't see it. And I don't think that's going to be as big of adjustment as I once thought it was when this rule first came out. And when I, like, I'm not going, I'm not going to lie. When this rule first came out, I thought this was going to be the death of rugby. I don't think it's, I don't think that anymore. I think that if anything, like, this isn't going to have a huge effect on and a huge profound effect on the community game or the amount of players that play an amateur level. I actually think what's going to have a bigger effect is the out of touch old folks that are in charge of this game. I think these people are potentially putting this game. Well, not even potentially they are driving this game into a point where there are a lot less people playing the game than ever than I've ever known because they are so out of touch with the people that are playing. I think I, I think that these people are out of touch with the people that are playing the game. They don't think they care what the people playing the game actually feel like want to do. I think they're just trying their best to appeal to some level of corporate interests that want to continue to sponsor the game and keep them in charge. Like, I, I truly think that. I think that they don't give a shit about the people that are playing the game. They don't boast about the cool physicality of the game. They don't boast about the the players that play the game. They they try to just say everyone's really happy people and how diverse we are. And it just doesn't track with what current rugby players are like. If, if anything, they seem like ashamed of, yes, there is a drinking culture that can put pressure on people, but it's also like something that can also be celebrated and be okay with, you know, both things can be true. And I think these people that are out of touch, not only are not appealing to the people that are playing the game, but they're making parents and teachers afraid of even just bothering, like getting involved with rugby to the point where a lot of schools and a lot of parents just don't want to touch it anymore. It's like, I'm just going to stay away from this. This game scares me. I don't think I should play it. At the same time, the guys that do want to play it, the guys that do want to get a physical, have a physical confrontation, and do want the awesome, the awesome physicality that rugby begins, are now being denied the, or not even being denied. They're just not getting promoted. They're not getting how, shown how cool the game is and celebrated how cool the game is, and the physicality and the combative nature of rugby. They're not getting that like that's not being celebrated and and marketed as part of this sport. Other sports such as Brazilian jiu-jitsu and MMA have seen a huge uptick in the last 10 to 20 years. And those sports are like hugely combative. You know, they are they are one-on-one combat. Yes, jiu-jitsu without the striking, but you know, Muay Thai is picking up, MMA is picking up. Like these are literally sports where it's one-on-one combat. And they are I've seen it. I've been in the UK long enough. I've seen enough former rugby players. Just say, okay, I'll, I, it's too much of a commitment. I'm going to instead go to uh, jiu-jitsu and be in charge of my own. And, you know, I took up jiu-jitsu after I had to retire because of concussions. But I just see I see a lot of people making that trend. And it's a shame because this game needs to be celebrated. And I love rugby and it should continue, you know, in spite of the people that seem to be uh, apathetic to the community game and, and what it means outside of just patting themselves on the back to how diverse they are. And I ain't getting political about this. This is just, just, just the facts. Let's catch up on the comments. James says, sorry, I was just repeating what the RFU phrase has on their website. Yeah, no, no, I, I wasn't, in, I wasn't, I, I know that's what they said. And that I'm annoyed that that's what they said. I'm annoyed that the RFU 
refer to the lower levels of rugby, you know, the the powers community rugby. I feel like I mean that's that's even level three. That's like semi professional players. A lot of them potentially even close to being full time. And they are, you know, and hopefully being, you know, on the edge, on the cusp of being full time, are now branded community players. Like I just, I feel like that sounds really patronising. Hamish says, agree, hundred um, percent. Yeah, I think rugby will evolve. I don't, I just, like, it's, I don't think it, like, it, the, the game can survive easily with these new law changes. I don't know whether it's going to change with the people in charge. That's what I'll say. All right. Luca, I almost missed that other question that you asked there, mate. Sorry about that. He says, what Bronco time do you think a 17-year-old second row should be aiming for? <laughs> Couldn't care less about that question. <laughs> whatever, like, whatever you did four weeks ago, a little bit better than that, don't care. Doesn't matter. Just get, just get fitter. Just get as fit as you can to play your best. Doesn't Couldn't give less of a shit about Bronco times. Alex asks... Just a bit of fun, as I know you're looking at team training videos before the World Cup. Disregarding bias, if you could pick any team to train with based on the exotic location or facilities, who are you picking? Easy, Fiji, right, done. Like, beautiful place, really, really, really nice people, enjoyable rugby, no pressure. Like, and also as far as, like, strength and conditioning goes, you're dealing with ridiculously good raw athletes that you've still got a ton of like low hanging th- fruit that you can get out of as a uh, strength and conditioning coach, potentially. That's who I'd pick. No brainer. I think a lot of other, co- like you say without bias, I do. I wouldn't want to coach England. Do you, do you see the England Instagram? Anytime they put anything up about training ever, everyone just loves to hate on the, like the English love to hate on their own team all the time. When Eddie Jones was in, it was like, get Eddie Jones out, get Steve Borthwick in. Steve Borthwick was in. Oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Like it was get get Marcus Smith in for years. He came in, didn't make a big difference. Now when he's in, like people are still complaining. It's it's. I, I wouldn't want to do that. I, I mean, that pressure is probably a like a, a smidgen of the pressure that New, the New Zealand press give the guys in charge. Poor old Steve Hansen. I mean, I mean, even Ireland. Like you've got like with those teams, England, Ireland, New Zealand. You've got amazing facilities. You've got amazing players, but. Like I just wouldn't want to deal with all this fucking shit that you get from those, from the press there. Probably on the opposite side of things, you've got South Africa, who like they seem to be behind their lads no matter what. <laughs> like I love the bias South Africans. I'm all for it. It's like I, Irish get behind their their crew quite a lot, but the South Africans, man, those guys are those guys are another level. I think I'd like, as far as home nations, Scotland would be a fun project. They'd have because they'll have good facilities, and I like the lack of pressure from like that Scott seems to have. Like when you look at their team, they should be doing a lot better than what they're doing. I think that they've started to come good. I like the fact that there's a little bit of freedom as well. Like if you have a position that you that you think, oh, we need to develop a, a new player for this position in a few years, they just go and get someone from Scotland or just find someone with with like some sort of Scottish roots to go play for them, like. That's cool. But then again, I'd have to be in Scotland, so I'm not doing that. I'm going back to Fiji. Fiji would be where I'd be. No no question. Hamish says, is the Bronco a good thing? No, it's not, mate. It's it's a five-minute-ish test, which when do you ever run for five minutes consecutively for rugby? You don't. Like, if you want to do a time trial, 
like and a Cooper's run, you know, three K fine, but the Bronco is less than that, and you so you're at a speed that you're never really going to operate in in rugby. They say that it's an agility component because you step and you turn around, but that's not an agility component at all. Like agility component, like you're not sprinting, you're just hitting a line and turning back around. If there was like a, a T that you'd have to run, or if there was an agility thing that you'd have to run, maybe we'd do that. But no, you're either measuring the aerobic system by doing like a longer three to five k run. That that's a good measure of the aerobic system. Just as simple as a Bronco, probably a better measure of the aerobic system. Or you're doing like a repeated sprint test. So, you know, there are a number of those. I'm not a big fan of testing in general because I just don't think a lot of people like like that. The question earlier, right? He said, uh, Lucas, you know, no no disrespect to Luca at all, but this is like what Bronco time. It doesn't matter what time. You know, there is no time that you can get that's going to say, oh, that means you're a good player. There's no time that you can get that means that you're necessarily even a bad player. There's just, there's just you and improvement and you don't need to test to see improvement what you like what people like to do with tests is to see how they measure up to other people but that doesn't reflect on how well you play so the best test to play to see how you play rugby is play a game rugby and see how you play rugby i've done a whole video on this you can search test testing or you can even search bronco and you'll find my full explanation and rant on that I think this might be the last question in this one. We might have one more after that if I can find it. Yeah, there's two more. So let's see if we can get to both of them before the hour is up. First one, I don't know the name of this person. He just gives a user blah, 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 blah. He says, hi, TJ, I'm enjoying your videos. Do you think seven low-intensity runs in combination with three to four strength sessions a week is overtraining? Is it important to take a full day off once a week? even not doing any low-intensity workout. There's no reason that you couldn't do that, providing the intensity of the low sessions, the, the, you know, the low-intensity runs is low enough. I'd still taper the volume on those days before higher-intensity workouts, right? So if you say if you're doing if you're doing four strength sessions, I'm assuming you're doing an upper-lower split, or it doesn't matter if you're doing – like before a heavy lower body day – I would, I wouldn't, I would even sort of taper the, even if it is a low intensity run, I would taper that, like the length of it, because you'll still, even if you run really low intensity and, and nice and easy for 45 minutes, that still risks carrying a level of unnecessary fatigue into that lower body day or the, the you know, the heavy lower body work. So I'll just be, in, be mindful of that. So, you know, you could restrict it to like 20 to 30 minutes or probably even better than that would just be to move that 20 to 30 minutes to another day and add that on to the end. So rather than doing like 20 to 30 minutes on the day or like the day before heavy lower body work, you and then 60 minutes like the day following, you would just do not no conditioning the day before your heavy lower body work. And then the... The next day you would do 80 minutes and that 80 minutes, you're going to get more out of that 20 minutes because when it, when you're doing low intensity work, there's a level of, or there's a time that it takes you to get to, you know, the adequate amount of work to work on your aerobic capacity, right? So if you go out on a run, say, 
the first five to ten minutes is is not in zone two. It's not in that aerobic zone where you're developing your aerobic system. It's, it's getting your body up to that to that level. Once you're already there, then it's all money in the bank, right? So if you're doing a 16-minute session, you're just adding 20 minutes on the end. As long as you've got the capacity to do that, that's going to potentially give you more reward 20 minutes there than it would do its own 20-minute sessions. Now, there are different re- rationales and reasons for for not doing that, but that's what I would bear in mind. Just Just understand that there are all options. So if you're doing something just to say that I run every day, like that's one thing. But if you really want the most productive, there's probably something to be said. You don't even have to take the full day off. You could just do strength work that day. But there would be different ways of managing your fatigue and getting the most out of yourself. Now, if you, like I say, if you want to just say that you train every day or you want to go for a run every day and that's something that's important for you for other reasons, that's fine. And it won't necessarily cause you massive negatives. Here we have one. Is swimming a good conditioning session for rugby? No. I don't like swimming for rugby. Three reasons, right? Number one, it's kind of inconvenient, right? Like way less convenient than any other fitness session that you could do. Like if you go a run, what's the barrier tension? You put a pair of trainers and you go out your front door. If you're if you're doing some conditioning on a bike at the gym at the end of some weight sessions, like that's just that time there. If you happen to go swim, you've got to you know, go to the locker room, get your gear on, shower and do all your stuff afterwards as well. Like it just, it's just a lot less convenient. Also, whilst you're doing it, it's not as fun, right? You can't, like, if you're doing zone two or if you're doing whatever you're doing, you can't quite zone out. It's just not as effective. On top of that, particularly if you're someone that is concerned about adding too much body weight, like you want to stay in shape, swimming, unlike any other method of conditioning because you're being immersed in water, can give you a level of hunger and i've experienced this firsthand and and it's like quite well documented in the science can give you a level of hunger beyond the calories that you expend doing that swimming session so it just spikes up your hunger level to go beyond so that you eat back not just the calories that you burn but potentially more because you're just that hungry and even if you're monitoring your calorie intake so that you don't do that it just like that extra level of hunger just causes you a a bigger level of stress that is not needed. You know, and if you're still willing to swim in spite of all of that, I would just say most people, like particularly heavy rugby players, it's hard to keep swimming like in that right aerobic zone. A lot of people won't have good enough technique to stay there. A lot of people will work just way too hard. And when you're working hard, you want to be the, the harder you're working, the more specific you want to be because you're working the specific muscles and patterns that you're doing in the game. The less hard you're working, right? So when you're doing like zone two aerobic work, it doesn't really matter what it is because you're working the heart, not the muscles and the moving patterns themselves. And so swimming doesn't tick any of those boxes for the vast majority of people because you, your technique, you'll find it way too hard to stay in that aerobic zone and if you're not in that aerobic zone then you want to be more specific can be fun can be a decent way to recover but i wouldn't worry about that as far as conditioning goes 
Yes, you could potentially do water running. I know people sometimes ask about this. You could you could definitely do that, and that could definitely be more of a high-intensity sprint session or something, or maybe even like some sort of zone two, maybe to work around injuries, but I wouldn't prioritize. I wouldn't make it a main recommendation for a method of improving your conditioning. Okay, swimming. No, there's just better ways to do it. A last question because we are running out of time. Hamish, thanks again. Just found the channel, Coaching Kids Rugby in Portugal. Cool, man. Excited to see Portugal in the World Cup. I was, I was in Portugal last year doing some coaching myself. I'm interested in fitness for under-14s, under-16s, particularly in the off-season. Body weight strength, some level of strength work. The priority for kids is technique over anything, right? That's They're at the prime age to build some level of muscle, to build some level of strength. You could do that with the most basic body weight stuff. There's no harm in adding some weight. So like your real basic squat pattern, pull pattern, push pattern, upper body pull, upper body push, hinge, just real basic stuff. And you don't have to do anything other than the basic stuff because they'll just continually improve with that, I'd say. And, and just really hone in, not add weight until their technique is pristine and just keep going from there. I wouldn't worry. Yeah, strength. So you said fitness and strength because I was going to say I wouldn't worry too much about developing like their fitness outside of just getting some low level of aerobic work a couple times a week at most if that's what they want to do if they're really interested in that stuff that would that would be a huge benefit to them but I wouldn't grind them into the ground I would make it fun for kids so just get them out playing as much as they can and they should they should develop on top of that with their strength and then that's it. Low level conditioning. If if they are really unfit, some you know low intensity runs a couple times a week would be great for them as well. And that would be all the benefit they'd ever need. That would be all the work they need until yeah sixteen ish, and that'd be great. But the main thing is that they keep it fun and they enjoy it. All right, that was fun. That was a good podcast. We. We went over the 45-minute mark, 46 minutes. Cool. Thank you guys so much for watching. If you are watching or listening, if you're listening on the podcast, of course, if you are interested in revolutionizing your conditioning for rugby and finally actually being fucking ready to play rugby this season, then you want to get in on Game Ready Fitness Fast Track, the brand new rugby conditioning program that you'll find at rugby-muscle.com forward slash fitness this is a four or eight week program depending on when your season starts that gradually builds in to build you to become the fittest version of you ever and the fittest player on the pitch every session is laid out for you between two to four sessions most sessions lasting from 20 minutes to 40 minutes at the most some of which go a little bit longer some of which are intense but it is a specific energy system conditioning program for rugby. Go check that out. Rugby-muscle.com forward slash fitness. If you're interested in team rugby muscle or elite one-on-one coaching or consulting, just rugby-muscle.com for all of that stuff. If you've made it to the end of the podcast, give us a five-star rating if you haven't done so already. Hit thumbs up, hit subscribe, all that good stuff. Preseason's right around the corner. So is the Rugby World Cup. It's exciting times to be a rugby player and a rugby fan. And I'm, I'm excited to be there with you along the way. Thank you guys so much for watching. See you in the next one. 